Thank you for listening to the Celebration Church podcast. For more information about Celebration Church, go to ccacron.org. There you will find information about our church, upcoming events, and how to make a contribution to the ministry of Celebration Church. We hope this message is an encouragement to you. Anyway, if you have your Bibles, let's go to John chapter 7. I want to teach this morning, continue our series on the anointing. This morning I want to teach on how to increase the anointing in your life. We'll start it this week and we'll see how far we get. How to increase the anointing in your life. How many of you want God to increase His anointing, His power, His presence in your life? Amen. In John chapter 7, in verse 37, it says, On the last day, the great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried out, saying, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me, as the scripture has said, as out of his heart, out of his belly, some translations say, will flow rivers of living water. I want a river of the anointing of God flowing out of me. Amen? We talked about the anointing is the, is the presence and the power of God made manifest. It's tangible. It's transferable. The anointing, we talked about the last time we did this, uh, started the series, that the anointing is the equipment of God to accomplish the work He's called you to do. And so I don't want just a trickle. I just don't want a small fountain. I want rivers of living water flowing out of me. I want all that God has for me. Amen. And Luke chapter 4, Luke chapter 4, let's see here, in verse 18, Jesus stood up and he read, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he has anointed me. Say, he's anointed me. Oh, that wasn't everybody. Say, he's anointed me. If you're a believer this morning, you have an anointing from the Lord, and it can increase. It needs to increase. The Lord has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed and to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. Some of the scriptures we covered the last time in John 3, the Bible says that Jesus was given the spirit without measure. He had the anointing of God on his life without measure. John says in uh, John 21 verse 25 that Jesus did many other works, so much so, so many other works that the world could not even contain the volume of the, of the miracles and ministry of Jesus. So we understand that what we have is just a glimpse of the ministry of Jesus. Amen. And so he had the spirit without measure. He was able to do supernatural ministry and supernatural works. So much so that the world could not even contain his ministry in three and a half years. This was done in three and a half years of, of time of ministry that, that there were so many miracles and God did so much through his son. Uh, Jesus, that the world couldn't contain it, even in three and a half years. But, but the Bible also says in Matthew 13 that Jesus could do no great miracles in his hometown because of unbelief. And so Jesus' entire ministry was categorized and noted by the supernatural ministry, miracles, signs, and wonders, except for his hometown. 
In Acts 10.38, the Bible says that God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power, who went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. So we know Jesus is the, our example of how the anointing works. If you want to understand the anointing and the power of God and the presence of God made manifest, go read and study the life of Jesus. Go understand Jesus Christ, the anointed one, and what his ministry looked like. That is understanding of the anointing. So how does one increase the anointing in their life? How does someone increase the anointing of God in their life? I'll start off with this, number one, that the anointing, increasing the anointing is not a formula, it comes from relationship. Everybody wants a formula. Everybody wants, okay, give me A plus B equals C. I want to understand how this works. One plus one equals two. And, and we try to copy what everybody else is doing. I want to understand the anointing, so I'll find someone who's anointed, and I'll just copy myself after them. I'll just go, I'll just go make a replica. And you can be a successful copy. You can be a successful copy and never experience the greater things that God has for you because you limited yourself to just being a copy. But God has an original anointing for you. God has an original and a special plan just for you that no one else can replicate, that you can't even duplicate from someone else. God has something special for you. I often say, I can't make the anointing happen, but I can step into it. I can't make or drum up or, or cause the anointing to happen. The anointing is happening. The anointing is ever-present. It is the power of God. The, the, the anointing of God is always flowing. But it's up to me whether or not I step into that flow. It's, it's, it's up to me whether or not I yield to the river of the anointing of God. We saw the, the formula thing come come into play a lot during the Brownsville revival in the 90s, a lot, of, a lot of pastors would go to Brownsville and say, well, God's moving at Brownsville, so if we copy their songs, copy their style, and do it in our church, then we'll have Brownsville. Well, you can duplicate and you can have, you can have a copy. We had a lot of copies, but God wants to pour out His Spirit in Akron, Ohio in a unique way and do something fresh and unique that we've never seen and never experienced before. Actually, when we came, when we, came we said, Lord, what, what is happening in this area? Give us, give, us, give us an idea of what other churches are doing, and we want to do something different. Tell, let us see what other churches are doing and let's find out and let's do something different because we have enough churches doing all the other stuff. God, what anointing do you have specifically for Celebration Church? What, a, what anointing is specifically on this church? Let's find out what you have for this church. If God's called you to sing, he'll anoint you to sing and you won't clear the building. <laughs> if God's anointed you to preach, There's an anointing for preaching. There's an anointing for for evangelism. There's an anointing for, for being a missionary. Operate within your anointing. Function within the anointing that God's given you. Don't look for a formula from someone else. Uh, When I was growing up in church, I was uh, I'd always read books from Wigglesworth, and I'd read read books about how Wigglesworth would get up. And pray for four hours a day in the Spirit. He'd start his day by getting up praying in tongues for four hours a day. I thought, there it is. There's the secret to a greater anointing. i got to get up at four o'clock in the morning. 
And i got to pray for four hours a day in the Spirit, and then I'll be anointed. And then I quickly realized, I'm not a morning person. Especially when you're out till 11 or 12 or 1 o'clock in the morning in service and ministering. It's really hard to get up at 4 o'clock in the morning after you've been ministering all night. It doesn't work that way. And then there was another, there was another preacher, as you may know the name, Benny Hinn. And I thought, well, Benny Hinn's anointed. I'll, I'll do what Benny Hinn does. Benny Hinn, he, he'll seclude himself in a room at 2 o'clock, if he's preaching that day, he'll, at 7, he'll seclude himself at 2. and won't do anything but pray and preach his message to himself and pray in the Spirit. And I thought, okay, there it is. There's the secret. I'll, I'm going to get more anointed because I'm going to be like Benny Hinn. And I'm going to close myself in a room and I'll, I'll pray and I'll preach. And nobody can talk to me after 2 o'clock. By 7 o'clock, rolled around, I was pretty tired. By the time 7 o'clock rolled around, I am pretty bored. I hadn't had anybody to talk to. I was tired of preaching the message. I didn't want to preach it again. <laughs> I preached it until I was blue in the face. It just didn't work for me. I don't understand. There's no formula. You can't put a formula on God. It's about relationship. If God tells you to lock yourself in a room at 2, two in the afternoon and pray, then do it. But, but don't set that stipulation on everybody else. And don't think you can copy that other person's formula. You know, David couldn't wear Saul's armor. He came to the battlefield. He saw Goliath. And what did Saul do? He put his armor on him. He said, if you're going out to the battlefield, here's my armor. Wear my, wear my armor. I'm sure every soldier that saw this happen was envious of David because they had kings, he had King Saul's armor on. I mean, everybody would have wanted to put on King Saul's armor, and David puts it on, and he can't even move in the stuff. It's so, it's so awkward. He's not used to that. All he was used to was the slingshot in his bare hands and the anointing of God on his life. The slingshot is what got David to that battlefield, and the slingshot is what kept David there. And that is, that is the same of our lives. You have to operate within the anointing that God has placed on your life, and don't, don't expect a formula or someone else's formula to work for you. Right. You can't have my anointing. <laughs> you know, you can't copy me. You can't copy Heather. God has an anointing for you. When you leave this church, I don't want you going out and preaching the, the gospel of Zach and Heather Prosser. When you leave this church, I want you going out preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ with the anointing, with the power of the Holy Ghost on your life. That's what you need. That's what this community needs. David took up his slingshot. It was the anointing of God. He was familiar wrestling that bear, wrestling that lion, and he knew that God would meet him on the battlefield with Goliath. How do you increase the anointing in your life? You have to have a relationship with God. You have to have dependency upon God. Everyone must have their own encounter with God. Everyone has to have their own, their own encounter, their own relationship with God. You know, it's easy for a dead fish to float downstream. But, but it takes the power of God. It takes the power of God to go upstream. It takes the power of God to do something different. But I'll promise you this. I'll promise you this. That if you want to walk in the anointing, if you want to walk in the power and the tangible presence of God in your life, it always goes by the way of Gethsemane and the cross. Guaranteed. Walking in the anointing always 
brings you to a lonely place where everyone around you falls asleep and they don't understand. Why? It's the presence and the power of God. Not everybody wants the presence and the power of God. We say we do, but when the power of God shows up, we change our mind. It's not exactly how we anticipated. It doesn't look. David, you know you're going out to the battlefield with just a slingshot, right? You're going to get killed. You're going to get, you're going to get annihilated by Goliath. That's okay. You come to me. You ugly thing, you. You come to me with a spear and a sword. But I've come to you in the name of the Lord. When you have the assurance of God, the anointing of God on your life, you can face every giant, every situation, every circumstance, recognizing his anointing can change that situation. It's not your strength. It's not your ability. It's God working in and through your life. Had David wore out Saul's armor to that battlefield, the story would have been written a little bit differently. But David picked up his slingshot, he picked up the rocks, and he went against the grain. He followed Christ. Remember Simon the sorcerer? In Acts chapter 8, Simon the sorcerer, he saw Peter ministering. And he, gets, he, he makes a decision to follow them. And when he does, he sees Peter laying hands on people. And sees them start praying in tongues. They get baptized in the Holy Spirit. And Simon the sorcerer says to Peter, how much do I have to pay you to get that? You know, preachers are at the worst at this. We're, we just we want to pay somebody to get what they've got. And nobody wants to go through the heartache and the trial and the pain of figuring out a relationship with God and walking in the anointing personally. Oh, let's go see what somebody else has to say about that. Let's go to a seminar. Let's go to another conference and figure out, no, I want to hear what God has to say. Thank the Lord for all those other people, but I want to hear what God has to say about my life. I want to have the direction and the wisdom of God for my life. Simon the sorcerer wanted to take what some other minister was doing. I'll pay you for that. And Peter turned and rebuked him and said, no, your heart's not right before God. You, you may have gotten baptized in water and you prayed a prayer, but your heart is not right for, for God. You better repent and ask that God would have mercy on you, that he doesn't strike you dead. That's not, that's not how the anointing works. You know, there's one bondage. You all with me this morning? You all with me this morning? There's one bondage that the anointing does not break. The anointing can break the bondage of sin and the power of darkness. But we see in Scripture the anointing does not break the stronghold of religion. In Matthew 13, Jesus went all about doing great signs and wonders, but he could do nothing in his hometown because of unbelief. The anointing will, will set the captives free, break the captives, but the minute you get somebody bound up in religion is the minute that they begin to put their belief and expectation in rituals other than God. That's what religion is. It's exchanging relationship with God for rituals. That's what, that's what religion does. You, you put your faith on rites and rituals and traditions of man other than a relationship with God. Are you all hearing me this morning? We see this in Revelation chapter 3. In Revelation chapter 3, we find the church of Laodicea. And to the angel of the church of the Laodiceans write, These things says the Amen, the faithful, true witness, the beginning of, of the creation of God. I know your works, that you're neither cold nor hot. 
I wish you were either cold or hot, so then because you are lukewarm, neither cold or hot, I will vomit you out of my mouth, because you say, I am rich, I have become wealthy, and have need of nothing, and do not know that you are wretched, miserable, poor, blind, and naked. They were, they were in spiritual poverty. They thought that they had it together. That is what religion is. You think that you have it together. You think that you're all good, and you don't need a thing. I don't need more of God. You know, we've been told that several times since we've been here. I don't need more of God. This preaching and teaching that I need more of Him, I'm good. Yeah, that's spiritual poverty. Jesus said he's going, to spew, he's going to vomit you out of his mouth. That is, that is having the exchange of relationship for ritual. Having it all together, so, so you say. But actually being wretched, miserable, poor, blind, and naked. You know, the, the most dangerous person to the kingdom of darkness and the body of Christ is a newborn believer. The most, amen. The most, they're they're passionate. They gotta tell everybody about Jesus. They go through the drive-through at McDonald's and they gotta, hey, bow your head, let's pray. As I get the, you know, the Big Mac or whatever it is. They've got to tell everybody about Jesus. They've got to tell everybody about what God's done in their life until they get around brother and sister bucket mouth. Then when they get around brother and sister bucket mouth, all of a sudden things change. Well, just wait. You know the. The devil, he, he'll, come, he'll come against you, so you just got to wait. The devil, no, friend, do you understand that, that, that the, 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 battle, the battle hasn't just begun? The victory has just been won. They, they were bound by the devil. They were in bondage to the devil. They were enslaved by the devil, and now Jesus has come into their life and set them free. They've been liberated. They've been, they've been, the victory has been brought in their life, and so we have a tendency to, uh, you know, just wait. It, it, it just, you know, the devil's going to come against you. You need to be ready. And, you know, these, these church people, you got, you got to watch out for these church people. They're going to hurt you, brother and sister bucket mouth, you know. You, you just got to watch out for them. They're going to let you down. It'll be okay. But just come, just come to our next, our next seminar. We'll, we'll tell you how to be a better Christian, and you'll be okay. Y'all follow what I'm saying? Just, just come to our next seminar. Well, well, he gets up. This new believer is going to get up and they're going to go. Well, they're, what they're going to do, they're going to go to the next seminar with brother and sister bucket mouth. <laughs> and they're going to learn about the armor of God. You've got to put on the armor of God. You've got you to put on your armor. They're going to learn how to put on the armor of God and be a better Christian by putting on their armor. And every day, they've got to take an hour to put on the armor of God. So every morning you get up, you've got to put on your armor. Okay? So this new, new believer gets up at 6 o'clock in the morning to put on the armor. From 6 to 7, I'm putting on the armor of God. And then he's got to go off to the next seminar. Got to go off to the next training. Okay? We're going to learn... Instead of the armor of God, now you've, now you've got to learn how to pray in the Spirit every, an hour every day. If you're going to be a better Christian, you've got to learn how to pray in the Spirit an hour every day. So he goes to seminar. Well, from 6 to 7, I've got to put on the armor of God. And I guess 7 to 8, I'll pray in the Spirit for an hour. And 6 to set, six o'clock, he goes and sets his alarm clock, winds up the alarm clock, sets it up. Okay, ring, gets up at 6 o'clock and has to go and 
okay, I'm going to put on the armor. I got to put on the breastplate. I got to put on the helmet. I got to do this and this and this. And then I'm going to show ba 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 for an hour. Okay. But after two hours of putting on the armor and praying in the spirit, he still hasn't gotten ready for the day. He still hasn't brushed his teeth, brushed his hair, taken a shower. But that's okay. He's off to another seminar. That Now he's going to learn how he's got to read about five to ten chapters in the Bible a day in order to be spiritual. If you want to be a better Christian, you've got to, you got to read your five to ten chapters a day. So he goes and he gets him a special Bible with all the notes and the margins so he can read his, make sure, okay, six to seven, I'm going to put on the armor. Seven to eight, I'm going to pray in the Spirit. I guess eight to nine, I'll read, I'll read a few chapters in the Bible a day. Okay, alarm goes off the next morning. What's he do? Get up, got to put on the breastplate of righteousness, got to put on the helmet of salvation, got to put on the feet. Sha-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba. Okay, now I got to read my Bible. Five, I'm going to reach five chapters. Six to seven, seven to eight, eight to nine, nine o'clock rolls around. Still hasn't brushed his hair, brushed his teeth, hasn't showered, hasn't done anything he needs to do to get ready for the day. That's okay. He's going to another seminar with brother and sister Bucketmouth. Now, now he's going to learn about the end times. He's got to go and he's got to learn, learn how you've got to be ready for the end times because the end times are coming. And you've got to be ready. You've got to have your food stored up and you've got to be ready for the end times. You've got to go to Jim Baker's seminar and buy thousands of dollars worth of food and have it stored up for the tribulation and be ready. So he goes to the seminar and brother and sister Bucketmouth are there telling him all about the things he needs to do to get ready for the tribulation. So six to seven, we're putting on the armor of God. Seven to eight, we're praying in the spirit. Eight to nine, we're reading the Bible. And nine to ten, we're now studying the tribulation. Stocking up our food and skipping a meal. I won't have breakfast, I guess, from, I guess, breakfast food. will go in the storage bin. And he still hasn't shaved, still hasn't brushed his teeth, hasn't taken a shower. But that's Okay. He's going to another seminar with brother and sister Bucket Mouth. And this time, they got to learn. <laughs> I have a whole list of these. This time, this time they got to they got to learn. He's got to learn how you how you have to become the spiritual ghostbuster when something strange is going on. <laughs> Who are you going to call spiritual ghostbuster? You got to go down the library and find out all about the principalities over your area and you got to study who who made your who made your city because you got to know the strongholds in your city. So anytime there is a spiritual stronghold, they know who to call. They're going to call you to drive out and you're going to go get that ghost out of the high place. You're going to pull them down and put them in your bottle of ectoplasm and in your basement, you're going to drive them out. <laughs> So six to seven, he's putting on the armor of God. Seven to eight, he's praying in the Spirit. Eight to nine, he's reading his Bible. Nine to ten, he, yeah, he's saving food for the tribulation. And ten to eleven, he's out ghost busting. <laughs> still hasn't shaved, still hasn't showered. Still hasn't done anything he needs to do for the day, but that's okay. He's going to another seminar with brother and sister Bucket Mouth. Now he's learning about generational curses. 
you know, you're bound up. <laughs> you got to be liberated. You got to call that thing out. <laughs> got to figure out what this generational curse is. You're bound up. So he goes home six to seven. He's putting on the armor of God seven to eight. He's praying the spirit. Some of y'all remember these better than I do. Eight to nine, he's reading his Bible. Nine to ten, he's, you know, by 11 o'clock rolls around now, he's having to go through and study his heritage and his genealogy to figure out if he's got generational curses. That's okay, though. He's going to another seminar. Isn't it interesting how we come up with so many religious bondage? Jesus said, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Let's not get people so bound up in religious tradition and garbage that they get so, so stopped up spiritually. The anointing's not, no wonder the anointing's not flowing through their life. They're doing things, listen, I, I believe in the armor of God, but my question for you, who told you to take it off? You're supposed to leave it on. Why do you need to get up every morning and put the armor on? Aren't you supposed to leave it on? I mean, praying in the Spirit, all those things are great. They're wonderful. But, but really, do they have to become religious bondage for us? Formulas are created because they bring temporary comfort, but only carry the anointing of yesterday, not the anointing for tomorrow. Why do we create formulas? It's because we've tested and figured it out. So we create a formula based on our experience, not based on what God's doing tomorrow. So formulas carry the anointing of yesterday, but not what God's saying and doing for tomorrow. So we have to be careful. Yes, we learn from the past. We learn from experience. But when Joshua was standing at the Jordan, he didn't have the staff of Moses to stretch out over the Jordan. God said, Joshua, you're going to send the priest and the Ark of the Covenant forward. When their feet hit the water, then the water will separate. It's a different season, Joshua. It's a different day. Yeah, I moved that way with Moses, but Joshua, guess what? I'm doing something different in your life. The anointing is different for each of us. God has a different calling, a different mantle. And the problem with formulas is when you don't get the results you've promised, then condemnation sets in because I did something wrong or I didn't do it right. The only thing that you didn't do was go to God first. Just have the relationship with God and the anointing will increase. Don't live in condemnation. Don't live in the guilt. Don't live in the despair because you didn't do the formula. Just find your rest in God. Find your rest in God. You know, I, in China, you know, I referenced the Tuesday night. When I got there Tuesday night, man, I was tired. My body was tired. I was yawning. And the first thought through my head was, I'm in China. And these people, I've got to worship a certain way. You know, I've got to, I've got to display my worship and be a leader in this meeting. And I, anybody ever thought that before? Or am I the only one? And I just really wanted to sit down. I had no strength, and I knew I had to teach for three hours. And I just wanted to sit down. But no, i got to stand up and worship. You know, I, used to, I used to make fun of preachers who would sit. I would go to revival meetings or services, and you'd have preachers that would sit on, on the pulpit or in the pews. And they'd just sit there the whole time where everybody else is worshiping. I think, man, what's wrong with them? They're not spiritual. They're just sitting there. Shame on them. That's horrible leadership. They ought to be up worshiping the Lord and setting an example and leading the way. And I believe in all that. And there's a place for that. But, but I was tired. <laughs> My body was tired. And I felt the Lord say to me, so sit down. 
And I thought, sit down. I can't sit down. That's not, that's not proper. Lord, I've, I've, I, that's not proper. He said, sit down. Said, yes, sir. I'm sit. So I sat. I sat and I rested. And I had my hands up in the chair the whole time because I thought I had to be spiritual. So I'm sitting and I, my body is absolutely exhausted. But I got my hands up. So I'm being spiritual. I'm leaning the way because I'm, and I'm just sitting there. And I felt absolutely nothing. I felt zero. I felt no anointing. I felt no presence of God. I had no energy. I was drained. And I thought, okay, Lord, I see how this is going to go. This is going to be a fun night. (laughs) And lo and behold, I step into the time of teaching, and I just got stuck. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I just got stuck. And everything that I thought I had to strive over, God did in one second. Because it had nothing to do with my ugly self. had nothing to do with whether or not I worshipped or didn't worship or had the right look or the right formula. didn't matter. All that mattered is that I just stepped into what God was doing. There's been times, there's been times where uh, I've, I've literally been out of, out of a service. Worship has gone on the entire time. And I literally walk in after offerings been collected because of dealing with stuff prior to service. And I've walked in and have felt nothing and have stepped up to the pulpit to preach and stepped right into the flow of the anointing and have had the best amazing service that I've ever thought I could. I mean, it's just absolutely wonderful. Why? Because it's not about me. It's about a relationship with the Lord. I have a relationship with Him. I don't have to have a formula to make it work. I just have a relationship. I just step in. So I hope some of you are getting liberated today from religious bondage. You, yes, you need to pray. Yes, we need to pray in the Spirit. Yes, we need to read our Word. Yes, we need to do all. But it all comes out of relationship. It all comes out of relationship. People say, well, don't rock the boat. We don't want to get too crazy. Friend, I didn't come to rock the boat. I came to turn it over. It's time to get out of the boat. Get out of the boat. (laughs) Jesus is on the water. The miracles are on the water. The anointing, the increase, the greater things that God has for you is on the water. It's Yeah, it's comfortable to stay in the boat. It's easy to stay in the boat. Everybody likes the boat. Everybody likes the decorations in the boat. Everybody likes the wood in the boat. Everybody likes the solid footing in the boat. But it's on the water that you learn to walk on the anointing in the Word of God. It's when you're out of your comfort zone. It's when God places you in those really uncomfortable situations that you depend on Him and you depend on the anointing that you see the anointing increase in your life. uh, You know, one particular example... I walked into a service and felt nothing, and as I stepped up to the pulpit, our worship, I may have told this story last, the last time I taught this, but maybe someone needs to hear it, um, but I, you know, I felt nothing. I was sick. There was a whole reason why I was late getting there. I was sick, and I stepped up to the pulpit, and our worship leader had his eyes closed, worshiping, and he told me after service, he said, when you stepped up to the pulpit to minister, he said, the atmosphere in the room changed. He said, I didn't even know who was here or what was happening. He said, but the atmosphere changed. Why is that? Not because me. It's the anointing of God. It's the presence of God. It's relationship. That's how the anointing increases in your life. That's how the anointing develops in your life. Develop your relationship. It's very simple. 
It's very simple. Psalms 24, verses 3 and 4 says this. Who may ascend the hill of the Lord, or who may stand in his holy place? It's he who has clean hands and a pure heart, who has not lifted up his soul to an idol. It's very easy, friends. It's very easy. Pure heart, clean hands. Pure heart, clean hands. How does the anointing increase? How does your relationship with God develop? Pure heart, clean hands. Jesus said in John chapter 5, verse 19, the son can do nothing of himself but what he sees the father do. What does that tell me? Do what you see God do. Pure heart, clean hands. Do what God does. How does the anointing increase? That's how it increases. Relationship with God. I'm telling you, when you see God, in His glory. When you see God in His glory, it changes everything. Grace was singing about that this morning. And Job said, I've heard about you with my ears, but now my eyes have seen you. In Isaiah chapter 6, Isaiah said, In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord high and lifted up, and the train of His robe filled the temple. When you see God for yourself, it changes everything. Jeremiah said, Oh, His word, His word is burning in my heart heart. It's like a fire shut up in my bones. I can't keep it in. Why is that? When you see God, when you have this relationship with God for yourself, you can't help, you can't help but declare the glories and the excellencies of God. It can't help but overflow out of your life. Yeah, where are, where are the, the Smith Wigglesworths and the Maria Woodworth Edders and the Catherine Kuhlmans and the, and, and the uh, Charles Finneys? Where are they? These, these are people that were not birthed on the copy machine of religion. These were people that were born in the fires of God. These are people that were born out of relationship, out of the fires of God. It's not another religion that we need. It's not another formula that we need. We need people that are set ablaze out of a relationship with Almighty God that the anointing of heaven flows through. That's how the anointing increases in your life. That's how the anointing develops in your life. Lord, give us, give us a hunger, give us a desire, not for another formula, not for, not for what we think we ought to do to increase the anointing, but a hunger and a passion to just be with you. To just be with you. It's in those times that you'll become sensitive. You'll become sensitive to the presence of God. When you spend time with Him, you become aware of His anointing. You become aware of how the anointing stirs and moves on the inside of you. It's when you spend time with the Lord that you become aware of the different types of anointings and what God is doing. It's when, it's when you spend time with Him. How, how, did, how did Moses... How did Moses know and understand the anointing? How did Joshua know and understand to lead their people? Because they spent time in the presence of God. They knew, Moses, the Bible says, knew God face to face. We see Joshua lingering, staying in the presence of the Lord after Moses even left the temple. Joshua was still there, always lingering in the presence of the Lord. How did, how did the apostles carry this wonderful, they were always spending time in the presence of the Lord. Relationship. Thank you for joining the Celebration Podcast. For more information, visit ccacron.org or call us at 330-762-7458. 
You can also download the Celebration app from iTunes or the Android store. With my father, it's so hard.